Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Lana. My guest, Asker Svart, is a notable Russian pagan intellectual, has written a two-volume book that you must read. It's called Polmos, The Dawn of Pagan Traditionalism. It was originally published in Russian, but you can read it in English. It leaves no stone unturned in relation to the true essence of European paganism and how it relates to us in the modern world today. And there's a reason why there's a great resurgence of pagan traditionalism in the modern era. So welcome, Asker. Uh, welcome, everyone, and uh, thank you for your uh invitation of uh, me yeah thank you for your work much was actually unfamiliar to me i mean i'm a slav i have uh, russian ancestors and so you highlighted a lot of uh, different authors and thinkers several i heard of but there was a lot that i hadn't heard of which uh, gives us a lot of goodies to dig into so it's been a while since i enjoyed a book this much so thank you I, i appreciate i appreciate that even if some things were lost in translation we're still getting the essence of it And I noticed, too, I just want to give a shout out to those in your book as well, because at the very core uh, of your work lies the spirit of Italian thinker Julius Evola, right, Uh, who established traditionalism. I'm a big fan myself. Oswald Spanger, uh, Nietzsche, Martin Heidegger. Also, you stand on the shoulders of Elaine de Benoit and his book on being a pagan. He's still alive, so I still need, (laughs) need to get him on the show. But you are of German roots, right, in Siberia. So tell us tell us that story. In Siberia, a lot of Germans, but uh, all of them uh, were exiled uh, from so-called uh, Volga Deutsche and Bessarabian Deutsche, uh, or uh, Ukrainian Deutsche, uh, uh, who uh, lived uh, on other bank of river uh, Dnester. It's uh, near modern Odessa. Uh, anyway, it's. Uh, umbrella term of uh, Bessarabian Deutsch and uh, my ancestors uh, were excited from this land uh, before and during uh, the Second World War because they were Germans and Soviet Union was in uh, war with uh, Third Reich so uh, a lot of people were moved into Siberia, into the north Kazakhstan, uh, Altai uh, mountains, the region of uh, Republic of Altai in modern Russia. Uh, so uh, that's how uh, my direct my ancestors uh, came to this land, and it's because I'm from Siberia. Wow, what a what a journey in Siberia! I mean, that's not an easy place to live. I, I can imagine. I mean, it's uh, it's cold and it's rough, so it makes. I'm sure you're a, probably a tough person. There's a lot of tough people up there, right? <laughs> I hope so. Uh, it was uh, very hard to boil it people uh, to live uh, in in Russia and in Siberia too. Yeah, and uh, they were persecuted, uh, killed in Stalin's repression period and. Uh, 1930s, for example, uh, my grandfather was killed uh, uh, by NKVD, and it's a regular story among uh, national minorities. Uh, Germans were national minorities in the Soviet Union. 
Yeah, I thought, hey, I thought white people couldn't be minorities. I'm just joking. Well, the one plus two about Siberia is there's probably no transsexuals up there. <laughs> so at least, you're, at least you're free from that. But we're going to discuss the foundations of uh, pagan traditionalism. You've written a huge book on this. It's important to understand also, I think, the nuances of paganism and this uh, postmodern era and kind of like an updated version to fit the things that we're going through. But I just want to know how you went, uh, just briefly tell us how you went from the Orthodox faith to becoming a pagan because everyone kind of has their journey of how they rediscovered the old native folk ways, right? I think my story isn't unique. Uh, it's a, I think it's a regular story. Uh, in uh, When you become a youth person, uh, you interested about uh, fundamental questions about uh, uh, how everything... Uh, became exist, for example, uh, meaning of life, uh, the source or origin of being of uh, uh, all entities and so on. And you find questions in science, in some spiritual, esoterical uh, teachings. I'm glad I find a good, uh, not new age and more traditional and traditionalistic authors, uh, and they really inspired me. And in the young age, so uh, my spiritual journey is very short and uh, very simple. Uh, I never was a Orthodox Christian. Uh, I became pagan by one step. Uh, about uh, six months, I was a Slavic pagan, but found my German roots. I learned about uh, Germans, and I became a uh, an Odinist uh, follows the god Odin and German tradition in general. That's right, the Germanic Scandinavian path. That absolutely makes sense. Yeah. I think a good place to begin is to uh, define paganism. Later, we're going to get into what it's not. That is something I've been talking about a, a lot lately because the word pagan is misused, you know, by also by liberals and also by Christians. So it's really irritating. But uh, on, let's see, page 25 of your book, I just wanted to read, you had this nice little passage here. Paganism is a song, a beautiful song of eternal wisdom and unity, a forgotten but not lost song. Today in the era of modernity in the dark age, one can ever more often hear the tune and melody of this ancient song, a tune which, although faint, nuanced, and fragmentary in its memory, is certain in its deep element. If you are reading these lines and you have likely in one way or another been touched by this melody, I thought that that was beautiful. So maybe you can get into a little bit about your definition of paganism. I know it's a, it's huge and we're going to get into some of the big points of, of what it is. Uh, yes, of course. And uh, we face first uh, uh, troubles uh, starting the term and uh, I want to draw uh, attention to the our new article uh, uh, we prepare with Jeff Arnold, the uh, editor-in-chief of Prof Publishing House uh, about this term, the pagandom. We uh, use, uh, we find uh, this term and uh, offer to use this term, not paganism, but pagandom, uh, because the language is a very important matter. And uh, uh, in Russia, we have a unique term to name paganism. Uh, the term sounds uh, 
And in this term, uh, we hear at the same time, it's three meanings, uh, language, mother tongue, uh, folk or people or ethnos, and religion or tradition. All of three of them in Russian language uh, arise from one root, uh, Yazyk. Yazyk is the same time ethnos, language, and uh, like pagan dom. Uh, so it's, un it's important, uh, impossible to translate into German language, into English language, L language, uh, this uh, constellation of meanings. And pagan dom for me is the language in which the sacred finds and manifests itself in the world. In, every potential morbidity and on earth in the wide range of peoples who live there. Uh, and we may uh, define paganism in more Heideggerian way. Paganism is the way design settles itself into the world. It's how uh, being represents and manifests uh, its uh, rich richness uh, in many or infinity uh, ways uh, and uh, people traditions. Any tradition is a whole universe, and uh, we have a lot of pagan traditions. So we lot we have a lot of uh, hermetic universes. So pagan dom, it's a umbrella uh, term of uh, paganism unite all of them in the deepest origin or deepest state of dominate of paganism paganism is a ancient uh, the most ancient and the most authentic way uh, to represent sacred and uh, unique way of any or every uh, who lived in every corner of our world. That's right. And it must also not be forgotten, and you had said this too, that the philosophers in, in Greece and Rome, almost without exception, were all pagans, right? And that both uh, Christian and Islamic theology is really drawn on the spiritual traditions of ancient paganism. People just tend to think that this is just something new, <laughs> or it's just some either something new or just some little relic of the past. But actually, the paganism has been at the foundation a lot of a lot of the greatest civilizations uh, on the planet. <laughs> you know, people also forget, too, that Buddhists and Hindus are pagans, right? The non-European versions. We had Egypt, the Greco-Roman civilization, Norse, I mean, uh, Asian, like, it's, it's massive, right? They weren't just uh, backwoods uh, hillbillies who were uneducated, uncivilized, and didn't have any, uh, you know, their own mythology and customs and traditions and morals. People tend to think that pagans are just a bunch of uh, degenerates, right? Until the Abrahamic faiths uh, showed up and uh, showed them the way. But that is, of course, 
the complete opposite. That is not true. <laughs> uh, you say paganism is not a relic of the past. Paganism is very much alive and wields a critical analysis of the past, present, and future with the potential to return to the forefront of consciousness. And this we are going to explore because people also don't realize how much paganism is a part of our everyday life and the traditions that we celebrate, some of the holidays, some of the ways that we think, right? Now, how is paganism currently perceived wrongfully. I want to read one passage in your book here. It says, paganism is often misrepresented by outsiders variously as a fad of the counterculture associated with hippies and black metal or the like, or an offshoot of Satanism. I hear this all the time. It's not even that. Or mixed with these new age ideas that are fabricated in part by writings of so-called pagans of the new age variety. Now, I know Julius Evola was also critical of a lot of the neo-paganist movement like you and like uh, the these basically liberals that are coming in and hijacking it new agers and all this so what do you have to say about that <laughs> uh, yes it's a um, common problem uh in russia in europe in uh america north or south uh it's a misunderstanding and misrepresented uh, uh for example New Agers, hippie, left liberals, uh, uh, soft theology, uh, uh, groups of ecosexuals, for example, and so on. Uh, they are very loud. And if you're loud, it's uh, easy to draw attention by uh, media and became fame and popular. But it is a fake way. It's a way to establish the fake representation of ancient tradition living uh, in the modern era. Uh, so uh, the same in this problem uh, continues in religion studies, in political uh, field, on fields of political. And of course, uh, the role of uh, Christian uh, propaganda fighting with uh, uh, new religion movements and uh, sex sex and uh, orthodox church for example uh, in russia fighting with uh, pagans it it is also a part parts of or aspects of one problem of misrepresented uh, and misunderstanding what paganism is uh, paganism is not uh, Materialism, hedonism, uh, consumerism is uh, uh, the most known misunderstanding uh, about what paganism is. It's a big deal and big uh, business for pagan movements in Europe and, and not only in Europe, uh, in uh, ethnic uh, regions in Russia, in, in Asia, in South Asia, for example in South America about uh, how they can represent they themselves in society, in uh, modern uh, society, in politics, uh, in adequate way to not be associated with uh, left liberals or extremely far right groups or left commie groups and any kind of misrepresenting uh, ideologies, for example, because many of them uh, 
use some pagans, uh, non-government organizations, and so on, uh, to achieve their um, political goals, for example, but not to present, uh, represent and uh, follow goals uh, need to be reached by pagans themselves. That's right. Yeah. And a lot of the pagan organizations that you hear about, maybe like a lot of a lot of people think, oh, it's Wiccan, right? Wicca has nothing to do with it. You get into that in your book. And also like a lot of the neo-pagan organizations. I don't know if it's like this in, in Russia, but it's focused on like progressivism and tolerance and diversity and feminism and the liberal world order. And then when you have groups that aren't, like you have the AFA and Odinists in America, all different kind, all types, we're attacked as being, you know, white supremacists, you know, because European people can't have anything that is their own, especially in America. Well, I think it's, it's anywhere now. It's getting attacked, right? You don't have any uh, folk faiths and you're not indigenous anywhere and it's all racist and white supremacist and colonialist. And of course, that's a lie. Um, it has nothing to do with uh, liberals, liberals and what elites do today also, because I've been hearing a lot of people say what these globalist elites are doing, that they're just pagans. Now, they're not pagans. Like people bring up Bohemian Grove, you know, with their LARPy little, you know, rituals that they do, burning care or whatever. And Moloch, which is, you know, in the Bible and everything. But these people are not, you know, praising Odin and Thor and, and channeling Slavic gods and uh, Roman gods and teaching us about pagan traditionalism. They're like, they're against folk. They're against uh, blood and, and soil. You know, they're the opposite of that. I mean, Thor's hammer is on the ADL's hate symbol list. The Kull of Rot and ancient symbol. Runes. It runes. In, in Russia, too. Runes. Same problem. It's crazy. So I would say that these elites are, are trying to form this kind of, a lot of them are atheists, but they're kind of doing this new age kind of bullshit religion that isn't really anything real. What, what do you have to say to that response that when people say elites are uh, pagans? Uh, I think it's just, um, like a, it is a part of uh, right-wing conservative conspirology inspired by uh, Christian ideology and Christian propaganda, because it is a part of, mm, in, in America, it's uh, Protestant, uh, Protestant uh, conspiracy. In Russia, it's uh, Christian Orthodox uh, conspiracy, but they're really the same. Uh, and it originates from uh, this side. Uh, they think, of course, if, if global elites are evil and purely satanic worshippers, so they're also a pagan, uh, masonic and uh, illuminati and so, so on, so on, and maybe uh, they are all, of, of course, uh, they are lizards, and <laughs> the same bullshit, we know uh, everything about it. It is a um, part of uh, conspiro conspirology and propaganda uh, or orthodox or, uh, anyway, Christian in general, uh, uh, ideology, uh, <clears throat> ideology and agenda. So uh, it, it's just a fake because uh, for Christians, pagans mean satanic. It's a unbrokable uh, chain of uh, equal, equal uh, name. Uh, so it's impossible to explain them because, okay, elitists they perform really strange uh, rites or uh, or meetings uh, near the giant uh, oval made uh, 
by uh, concrete from concrete uh but okay they may be really satanic but they're not pagans at all because no. if, if they will uh, they are pagans uh, so why they persecute uh, adequate real pagans uh, all around the world and uh, show the green uh, green light uh, and open um, open roads to the really fakes and uh, crazy uh, postmodern new age groups uh, it's it's impossible to explain them and it it's possible to understand only inside the conspiracy of thinking. So for me, it's not a, a problem because it's important, yeah. uh, impossible uh, to explain. So there is no place to dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I what I find is the ADLs and these elites are they're constantly terrified of this uh, resurgence of Indo-European paganism. Why? Because it's rooting us into an old traditionalism that keeps us grounded and focused and aware uh, of a lot of the the crap that's going on, the lies that are pushed on us. It doesn't work on us <laughs> right? because we're rooted in something deep and old and we have our own belief system. We're we're like armed with th this truth where they're trying to push this fake version of uh, reality, right? And transhumanism and all this trans stuff and all this liberal stuff that isn't really real, right? And we're going to get into that. But I want to, if you could summarize uh, at the core of Indo-European paganism, what is at the core? Like a lot of Christians would say the main focus uh, is to follow Jesus, right? It's real simple. Like we follow Jesus. Uh, what would a pagan say? Now, I know you have uh, 800 pages of information on this. But <laughs> if someone was brand new coming to this, what would you say is is at the essence? Mm. Uh, the core of paganism, and I think not only Indo-European, you can find the same uh, statement in non-Indo-European traditions. It's uh, follow your destinies, follow your karma, it uh, follow your due. Uh, you must uh, realize your karma in your life in the Midgard or the middle, uh, middle world or the reality of uh, the phenomenological reality in, in this life. And uh, if you don't realize your destiny, your fate uh, by your uh, by, by your will, so this fate will uh, will lead you anyway. You can deny it. You can say I, I don't believe in fate, but fate uh, will lead you anyway, and you will face uh, every milestone of your fate, of your fate, of your destiny, and uh, it's uh, unavoidable. unavoidable uh, unavoidable uh, structure of uh, in the European and not only in the European traditions. Uh, and this destiny is uh, uh, given by uh, deities, by, for example, uh, in the Norse traditions, uh, three norms. And it's uh, predeterminated by your soul uh, in Asia, in India, it's called uh, like karma, the law of harm. Uh, 
of cycle of rebirth and so on. Uh, in European traditions, different a little bit of different structure. For example, Platonical teaching about metals of the soul, the golden soul, the silver soul, and bronze soul. So there is different uh, types of uh, possible destinies, a variation of possible destinies for men uh, living in the world. And not to follow Jesus or uh, any other hero, but to follow your inner uh, divine destiny or destiny uh, given to you by your lead deity, deity in the center of your cult, of cult of the people or cult of the uh, separated estate uh, or uh, pers given by personal guru, for example, and so on in different cultures. Uh, uh, it's uh, in different cultures performed by different uh, uh, structures and uh, in many forms. But the main core is follow your heart and uh, perform the fidelis, the semper fidelis uh, to deities. Yeah, to me, I think it's the most authentic thing there is. You know, people always talk about, oh, I want to live an authentic life and all this, and you, you're sold all the, these uh, fake versions and stuff. But the uh, pagan traditionalism is rooted in something much older and our ancestral ways and uh, in touch with the, the seasons and uh, events that have happened in the past and uh, mythologies that have arisen uh, probably over thousands of years to form some of these archetypal things. So it's it's in our DNA. It's in our, it's in our an entire makeup. You know, all those that have gone before us are, are in us. You say pagan traditionalism is potentially fertile soil for all those pagan traditions in all the different corners of the world, which are struggling for their, and this is important, identity, purity, and their very existence and being. So it's uh, seeking the most authentic life, right, and, and trying to be the best that you can be. I was thinking about that. Some of the big points for me, um, you know, hero becoming the hero, the hero's journey and being brave, uh, fighting for your soil and land. Uh, they support hierarchy and natural law. Uh, nature is divine, right? You're, you're not separate from it. Like you're, you're a part of it and it is all divine. Uh, you're concerned about folk and tribe and, and family first and striving to be kind of like uh, Nietzsche had talked about, right? The superhuman, isn't that kind of like the path of the Viking? Now, I know I was just reading Kalergi's book, right? Kudenhoff Kalergi, and he was complaining about uh, pagans because of their their drive to be the superhuman and this bravery and how they don't comply, comply and how he actually favored Christianity because it was more uh, conducive to internationalism and race mixing and uh, well, basically control, you know. So to me, uh, pagan also represents the unruly rebellion against this current world order that has just completely gone nuts, <laughs> you know. Any, <clears throat> any points you want to add to that? Any some of the, the, uh, the big, I want to, big points? Uh, to ask, but um, pagandom, it's directly and straight against any kind of globalism because uh, for any pagan culture, any pagan tradition uh, on banks of the river Amazon or banks of the river uh, Yenisei in the middle of Eurasian continent. Uh, 
not only blood but soil uh, landscape uh, around you it's also uh, affects a part of your metaphysics uh, the, the landscape around you it's uh, represented uh, as one of way which God, uh, divine represent itself so uh, it's a strongly against uh, universalism of uh, global mega cities of virtual reality uh, urbanism and uh, and Christianity uh, too because uh, Christianity is a first uh, it's first release of globalism it's the first uh, really global uh, culture uh, paradigm of thinking and uh, so on. and the modern globalism and this global elites we talked earlier about uh, they also sons they also uh, uh, sons and daughters of uh, Christendom Christendom is the father of modern globalism so paganism stand against both of them because there is a small difference uh, between them and that's uh, what I want uh, to add. And uh, in Polymos, I also discuss and describe how it's possible, how, how it will be done. That's right. Your people and your land. Those are the most important yeah. things to a pagan, right? And, and it's, that's your the people, thing. Your land, your, land landscape. Your people and, and your lands. Yeah. You and uh, people and landscape, it's all, uh, it's a manifest of deity. Exactly. So it is, it is the, opposition to globalism right and that's yes, why that's why a, they hate it's it. a healthy regionalism it's healthy localism yeah exactly thinking locally we're not talking about colonialism and all this stuff i mean yeah there's been past histories of that and stuff but like today it's a different different ball game <laughs> you know but yeah thinking locally thinking about your people thinking about your tribe and i feel that these things are very important with where the world is moving and going into you know crazy land and all this uh, control system and eventually Eventually eating the bugs and transhumanism and virtual reality you get into all of this in your book so the solution to that is to have your you know your small villages your local tribes uh, your land like helping each other almost go, going back into that time but we can have it with an an updated version you know what I mean people think that you have to live like a, a Luddite uh, <laughs> jumping around in a costume or something like that's what they think uh, pagans are like every night uh, around the fire and stuff like that but what do you think about needing an, an updated version of paganism to fit the current era? Because we're dealing with a lot of different problems right now, right? We're dealing with modernity, Western liberalism, multiculturalism, immigration, uh, LGBTQ, the, the transsexuals, uh, all this. So how do you think we should view the geopolitical conflict from a, a pagan perspective in our in our modern era? Uh, of course, uh uh, we cannot behave ourselves uh, like uh, nothing uh, happened the last uh, couple, last two thousand years. Uh, many things radically changed, and uh, more of them uh, really passed away and die forever. Uh, so the modern pagans who won't live uh, like in past and uh, uh, wear some dress, uh, funny dress and uh, saying hey, well, nothing uh, changed uh, uh, we are the same pagans uh, as uh, uh, our ancient ancestors 
it's a fake, it's a lie. And if we ask them about something about uh, uh, typical and easy question about what, uh, for example, uh, stars on the night uh, <coughs> in the night skies, what it is, uh, they they answer, oh, it's a uh, uh, plasmoids, uh, it's a uh, uh, sky uh, bodies uh, in uh, the far, far outer space, and so on. So, paganism broke. It's, it's not a paganism, it's a scientific uh, uh, world view. So, for pagan stars uh, uh, in the night sky, for example, eyes of the ancestors or holes in the uh, Odin's skin, uh, many metaphors, poetical metaphors. Uh, and we face a problem about uh, this paganism. So paganism should be updated, but updated uh, doesn't mean modernization. No. Uh, and uh, complying with uh, modernity, with the modern paradigm of uh, thinking, of education, and epistemic and, uh, science and philosophy. No, it, it must be updated in Europe, in Russia, in Asia, in both. Uh, uh, parts of America, everywhere, uh, updated to the understanding and deeply, uh, completely understanding and complex understanding about uh, what modernity is and postmodernity is and how it stands against any kind of sacrality and ergo any kind of pagandom, of paganism and pagandom in general. Uh, it is a problem of education and explanation for pagans, uh, for for any kind, I think of pagans, uh, the, <clears throat> this uh, intellectual and paradigmatic situation about in in uh, in what world we live now and how we can uh, reach, establish again uh, our connection to deities to divine nature inside in outer world and inside uh, inside uh, ourselves uh, in our heart and postmodernity virtuality uh, freaks uh, perversions uh, uh, you name it uh, it's also a huge part of uh, problem i describe in many pages uh, uh, roots of them and how they intersect with uh, uh, some spirituality and became a part of modern traditionalism, why pagans uh, uh, turned to the, uh, for example, LGBT, Q, and uh, uh, any, any letters after uh, uh, movements and uh, defend this position and why it's a fake paganism and uh, not only sexual perversions, political uh ideology uh, ideological uh, scientific and um, in this way I, I i'm sure uh pagan traditionalism and we may say traditional traditionalism at all uh may may be a common ground uh, it's a language to describe the modern world uh from the point of view of sacrality and define the modern and postmodern world as anti and counter sacrality forces and following our heroical karma we must fight them 
in many uh, aspects in every battlefield fighting uh, thinking art science uh, poetry yeah it's like you said it's a their war is against us in our in our minds right in our state of being and to me the modern day pagan it's a way of thinking and and being right that represents something old and grounded and timeless that is uh, closest to how our ancestors the, the builders of civilization how our ancestors uh, viewed the world and envisioned the world and um, just standing, I think t- today being a pagan and, and thinking that all the conflicts today and globo homo and all that, just challenging it and, and being the resistance and saying no and laughing at it and just honoring your uh, your folk and your family and your land and basically being like how we are today is 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 how you being the resistance is what I think. What do you think? To be pagan today is. Uh to resist the whole reality. For, for me, for example, it's a uh, absolutely uh, clear knowledge and uh, statement. Uh, take a look in any part of social life in the, and you uh, find both at the same time the relics of ancient uh, forms of thinking or uh, outer forms. Uh, Oh, with uh, already uh, <laughs> that sense, but uh, forms still uh, exist. And you find uh, modern and postmodern infiltration, and you must separate them. Paganism is an uh, art of differentiation, for example, uh, and separating the modern from traditional or traditionalistic and uh, reserve and uh, growing up. You had on page 155, it was a a chapter, Paganism, Modernity, and Postmodernity. I wanted to just read a a paragraph because it was very good. By taking the side of the eternal beyond time, the side of the divine element, and by affirming the heroic type in the era of modernity, no choice remains but to declare and wage war in difficult and confusing circumstances in which the enemy is strong, cunning, ignoble, and at first glance, everywhere and nowhere. But we shall remember that the gods always defeat the titans and the heroes gain glory and find immortality. Thus, it is necessary to boldly oppose law modernity with high antiquity and to fulfill the do. Now, you were talking about the do quite a bit uh, in the book. Now, maybe I know some things are lost in translation when I read, but it sounds beautiful. So, uh, fulfill the do. And you mentioned the do quite a bit, D-U-E. Now, tell us what that, tell us what that is. Uh do you, as I, I think I answered uh, before, it's a, f- mm, it's a destiny prepared and given you by deity and according to your structure of your soul, of your relating to the one of the classical and European estates, for example, described by uh, uh, French uh, structuralist thinker Dumézil. Uh, so if you are Peasant, uh, your karma, your destiny, uh, your due is to be peasant, to farm the land. And if you're a warrior, uh, you must uh, fight, you must uh, be inside in the heart of battle uh, to lead your people, uh, to become a king, uh, to find your immortal glory of uh, the highest one, the Havamal, 
uh, verses. And if you are so-called uh, Brahman or priest, philosopher, uh, your due is to serve to the deities, to provide the deities energies, to provide sacred down to the uh, to the your people, uh, to the structure of society, to the warriors, to the peasants, all of that. And uh, asking about uh, about being, about uh, origin, uh, source of everything uh, uh, to connect and open divine nature inside yourself. It's your due. Uh, and every of them, peasant, warrior, and uh, priest, philosopher, uh, <clears throat> can and must uh, fight against uh, modernity and postmodernity according to their uh, state, uh, metaphysic, and uh, way of life. Uh, farm your land and uh, pay no taxes or don't buy food, for example. The true revolt against the modern world today is uh, uh, growing up your own food and uh, never visit uh, uh, Walmart or something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you're referring to, I just want to let people know, you're referring to the Greek, the Germano-Scandinavian, the Slavic-Russian pagan traditions, and it's called, you refer to as the Indo-European estate social structures, right, which are embodying the, the spirit of the European traditions. And you get into these different kind of estate uh, systems and how it has their own, own inherent set of initiations. I think uh, Plato also touched upon this. Was it was it Plato who talked about this? Um, the different ages that correspond with the estates and the metals. Was it Plato or who first talked about these? This idea. Uh, uh, I think it's a major idea uh, in the one of the most important uh, in pagan traditionalism and in the European paganism at all, but uh, there is a, a special problem, because uh, Dumizil described uh, idealistic uh, types. In real life, uh, for example, in uh, India and Hinduism, we can find um, uh, time by time, but uh, pure uh, examples of uh, this uh, sacred estates. Uh, in Varnashram, for example. But in German society, in ancient German society, there is no such uh, differenti differentiation. Uh, people may, uh, time by time, change their activities, uh, way of life, and uh, became never became peasants, for example. Uh, we know about uh, German w warriors and warlords and uh, about German poets and priests and sacrality, but uh, really close to nothing we know about their peasantry uh, in the ancient times, uh, not in the Middle Ages, for example, uh, after Christianization. And uh, this uh, idealistic uh, describing uh, Anyway, it's uh, very important uh, because they, I think, and I'm sure, uh, th these three types uh, of people, of uh, uh, 
human soul by Plato, for example, uh, exist and present uh, in every society, in every people. But they may represent in different ways, in difficult, uh, complex uh, uh, ways. And it's a question to find them. Uh, the regular man who are watching uh, uh, and uh, watching, the, for, for example, for horses and cows uh, in the steppes of Eurasia, uh, at night uh, may become a shaman and perform shamanic rites. And uh, who is he? Is he a priest uh, or is he a peasant? No, but uh, uh, time by time, uh, by uh, calendar for the sacred, for example, uh, sacred calendar and, or by needs, uh, he, might, he may leave his uh, regular activity, dress uh, shaman costume, uh, take a tambourine uh, in the left hand and uh, become a shaman and uh, perform and, uh, or travel uh, to the highest skies uh, and uh, uh, talking with ghosts, with spirits of ancestral, uh, and it is also an Indo-European structure. And uh, in non-Indo-European societies, we sometimes can find uh, this um, differentiation. Uh, I think it's uh, very important because uh, it's already lost in modern society. Everything mixes. Uh, we cannot be sure. Uh, about uh, yeah everyone's our, it's not just our, a... our, yes because our yeah. army may be uh, full uh, not by warriors but by peasants or our political <laughs> yeah. not, you're right our uh, political politicians uh, uh, have a silver or gold soul by platinum maybe they have soul made not by metal at all. Yeah, so it's a really interesting idea, though, the the three estates within society, right? And this whole idea of priests, kings, and warriors. You're right, though. Now it's, I'd say, a whole lot of peasants, right? And then there was also, what was it in the third estate consisted of uh, farmers, artisans, and merchants? Well, we definitely have merchants today, don't we? Lots of merchants. <laughs> it is also interesting, uh, but we have also uh, sub-estate types of people uh, according to Julius Evel, for example, uh, uh, the population of cities uh, of uh, middle-aged bourgeoisie and uh, Soviet, or not only Soviet, proletarians, and now we have a precariat. <laughs> it is mm -hmm. a sub-state yeah. sub sub uh, types of uh, uh, people, of uh, human beings, for example. And the French thinker uh, Alain Soral, uh, in his uh, very good book uh, to understand the empire, if I uh, correct, uh, if I remember correct, uh, he discussed about the uh, spirituality and metaphysical role of third uh, estate of peasantry, and uh, he advocated peasantry as uh, the last estate who saving traditional and conservative spirit yeah warriors and priests uh, uh, passed away or uh, degenerate uh, to the terminal station st 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 uh, but peasantry uh, uh, still uh, 
saving uh, and preserving this uh, conservative type of thinking of way of life and so on. This is also very interesting uh, thought. And uh, they, I think, uh, may be interesting to develop in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to talk about briefly is this idea, and we kind of touched upon it earlier, but that uh, pagans didn't have any morality or this uh, code of ethics, right? But, you know, we have the nine noble virtues before the Ten Commandments. And I always say, you're talking about your own ancestors here. You have to show some respect. Do you think all your ancestors were just, well, now heathen has become like a dirty word, right? We call it someone, oh, you heathen when you just behave uncivilized and horribly. But that is not the case. The the, the, we're talking about our ancestors. We have to look at this not in like some cartoon version that's been presented to us about what our ancestors used to be like. Uh, and then the, you have some shows. I enjoyed the Viking show, but they do show a lot of, you know, they're having mushrooms. They're drinking a lot. They're just murdering all the time. Uh, you know, just orgies or whatever. I don't think they showed orgies in that. But people have this idea that pagans are just like eating mushrooms and having orgies and like worshiping Satan. Uh, of course, that's not the case at all. So what can you say about uh, pagan morality uh, and virtues? Uh, uh, I want to notice a very important thing. Uh, there is no, really, really no uh, universal things. Everything we can say, oh, it's some, it's universal, it's objective reality, it's universal truth. It is a false statement every time. Uh, every universal uh, testament, every universal thing, it's a local, it's every time a local thing, but uh, growing up and uh, established as a universal by force, lie, or in any uh, other way. So, uh, pagan traditionalism did not uh, establish uh, any kind of uh, universal morality and ethics. Every time we uh, should uh, asking uh, tradition or, or people we want to know about uh, them something, or we want to visit, for example, them, we want to visit some tribe uh, in jungle or some uh, pagan community in Northern Europe or in Siberia, uh, we must ask them, uh, talking with them, but, uh, guys, what about some, some taboos or uh, how we must look, uh, how we must behave or we, what thing we should, uh, should not do in your uh, society. And in different traditions, we can find a very uh, close and, for example, close and or common rules, common morality, uh, close to us or very far from us, or really uh, different kinds of uh, moral codex, uh, uh, maybe looking barbarian for us, but it's, it's also civilized barbarians, uh, modern uh, progressive uh, uh, terms and uh, dis totally disqualified uh, to describe uh, pagan traditions. So uh, pagan traditionalism is about uh, plurality of uh, uh, sacred uh, manifestations and uh, ethics and morality in different societies. Uh, they are mm, sovereign for their people. 
and uh, I think we must uh, respect them. And if it's unappreciated to us, so don't talk with them, don't visit, uh, and you're free to do not uh, communicate or if you don't want it or it's uh, against your or ethics and morality. Universal ethics, it's, uh, for example, Christ, Christ, Christian ethics. Uh, it is a local story, but this local uh, local assembly, uh, local range of rules was uh, force, forced uh, globally and always destroy all the locals, uh, local customs, local uh, uh, taboos and so on. It is, it is a uh, gears of cultural genocide for me. So plurality, it, it is hard thing. It is not a multiculturalism or uh, relati- uh, totally total relativism. No, we're talking about real uh, traditional plurality, uh, which uh, is a manif- which are manifest of deity. So it is not a uh, imaginative construction or uh, synthetic artificial uh, structures uh, or list of what we should or should not do and how we behave. No. Yeah, I think that's what that's what's hard for people. They want it simple. They want it in a Bible. They want a rule book. Like here's the things you can yeah. and can't do, right? Whereas with us, it's like it's kind of written within. Like the code of honor is within. Like you learn that through time. I know that Cornelius Tacitus, right, um, the greatest Roman historian, had all these great things to say about uh, German barbarians and their code of ethics and their morality and how uh, their views on adultery and uh, lying and you know so they had a code of ethics within and they lived up to it and if you were a bad person you would get iced out of that village or that tribe wouldn't like you so you had to behave especially in these cold places where you all had to pull together you're in Siberia you know if there's one guy that's acting like an idiot or stealing from people or treating people badly they're not going to like him he's probably going to get thrown out of the village right Vikings also had, yes, this, uh, they despised people who didn't honor their words. If someone had a dispute to settle, they can challenge that person in a duel. It's called a home gang. Like, I've learned all these different things that, you know, Norse culture had that that proves time and time and again that, you know, there, there was a code of ethics. It, was, it could also be a matter of honor. Like, if you insulted someone, exactly, if you call them the equivalent of a, a fag or gay, <laughs> like, back then was, like, the greatest insult. Like, that guy can challenge you to death you know so I think it's it's interesting that there's so many of these aspects but just because it wasn't written down in a nice little rule book people think that it, it didn't it couldn't have existed oh, yes uh, just in Europe uh, uh, we have a um, really uh, closest or common uh, set of um, rules or ethical statements so if you uh, talking just about Europe, it is uh, really uh, question became easily. But if we looking wide, uh, it's a, a more complicated uh, question, and uh, just for me, it's uh, interested to thinking about more complicated. Uh, but uh, I uh, I can agree uh, with you about uh, people really want to some easy. Uh, to, to go to by easy way, and uh, in Europe we cannot we, we can fight uh, find uh, uh, this uh, virtues this uh, uh, morality 
and from people to people it will be very close uh, don't kill don't uh, thief uh, but in diff in for example some uh, cultures uh, stole something from different tribe it's it's a virtue you are very good man if you can stole something and uh, they didn't catch you <laughs> yeah if you can go and loot them well a lot of times the vikings were looting because it was revenge for the crusades too right and then uh they were such good fighters and the uh, christians are like hey come fight for us right <laughs> Jeez. oh man well there's so much more i want to get into so i think that we should take a little break and then continue a little more while we have you since you're way up in siberia we'll continue with more in part two continuing on postmodernism from a pagan traditionalist perspective but we also want to weave together the end of days the culmination of the kali yuga and the ragnarok and this war against reality what is the fate of europe and the destiny of the world also i kind of wanted to get a little bit into the hero and the martyr manifestationism i want to hear about paganism in Russia and much more. So join us on the other side. We're going to continue part two with Asker on RedIceMembers.com. Not yet a member? Subscribe now. It's with your support that we're able to do what we can do against all odds. The phase of this cycle requires all types of talents to be involved. Peasants, haha, farmers, merchants, artisans, warriors, priests, and kings. Well, you know what I mean. Thank you, executive producers T, Lothrop Stoddard, V. Miller, Resin Revolt, and Good Luck Lap. See you on the other side.